Build business with passion and let data tell your story. If you are a founder having difficulties handling investors' curveball questions, or an investor wondering how to find the next golden startup deal, then this is the podcast for you. Hi, I'm Parul, your host for this episode of the Due Dash Investability Podcast. Hey, Alexa, good morning. Um, good to have you today. Uh, for everybody, to you to know, today my guest is Alexa Benz, who is a partner of an early stage venture firm called Halogen Ventures, where they invest in female founders. So all the ladies out there, watch out for Halogen Ventures. She is a marketer with talent for spotting the latest consumer trends and technology. And I'll give it to Alexa to introduce herself properly because I know she'll do a great job at that. Oh, thank you so much. Um, yes, female founders and co-ed teams, please take a look at Halogen Ventures. Um, Halogen is an LA-based consumer tech uh, early stage venture capital group founded by Jesse Draper, who's fourth generation venture capitalist. And um, our focus is on anything pre-seed or seed U.S.-based. Specifically, we haven't invested yet in any uh, companies that don't have a U.S. entity. And that's because um, our focus is on the American consumer, and, and that's who we know best. So, so that's why we've kept that focus for the time being. Um, I like to say there's always an exception to everything. <laughs> so... Uh, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if that if we do see our first international investment soon. Um, and our check size averages 250K to 750K. We play very nicely with others. We'll lead or follow. Um, but primarily, we participate in syndicate rounds where we are one check of many. Um, and uh, a couple of the companies in the halogen portfolio you may be familiar with. Um, one is a very popular baby registry called Baby List. Um, and a lot of new parents have used this registry and or bought something for a friend on that registry. Uh, Third Love is a, a well-known um, bra and underwear company based in the United States. And a couple of our other sort of best-known companies, I'd say Elvest, uh, which is a robo-advisory and business coaching platforms specifically for women looking to manage their money more smartly. And maybe last one, um, the Flex Company, which is a CPG brand. It's a patented tampon alternative. Um, we've had one exit in this is L to PNG in the tampon space. And so the Flex Company is sort of our next bet in making periods more comfortable for women. Um, as well as two other exits, Squad to Twitter um, and Eloquy sold to Walmart. Awesome. That is really impressive. Actually, I also saw that you do invest in some male founders as well. Uh, is there a requirement for a female co-founder to be there if you if you consider those uh, use cases? We have Three fabulous male CEOs in the fund. We're very proud of them. Um, the our, our goal is to invest in um, more female teams. So we talk about co-ed teams. As long as there's one female on the founding team of five, and she has a significant voice and leadership in the company, um, that meets our criteria. 
So Alexa, as a brand builder and now as an investor, what traits or trends do you look for in an early stage companies or founders? What are those simple KPIs that founders should work on and how they may change with the stage or the growth of the company? You like had some marvelous exits. So what are those like things that you watch out for? Yeah, I I think because we are tracking consumer trends, that's a big part of how we um, sort of make our bets on what the future will look like. We are looking for first or second movers. Um, I think that example of this is Elle, it, it's an organic tampon company um, now available in most of all the big box stores across the United States. That company, we saw a huge trend coming up in better wellness products. Um, and, and that company was one of the first or second movers to make an organic accessible to price point tampon. Um, today I get pitched probably a different tampon company a month. (laughs) And so I'd say, um, having, having some insight in a big, massive consumer trend well ahead of it, uh, well ahead of actually being on that trend is really important for us to be able to really multiply our limited partners capital. If we're coming too late to a trend, um, I think we, we sort of missed the alpha. So which brand traits do you think are timeless and uh, there are always emerging trends? So should brands actually adopt them? And if so, then how should they go about it? And founders should know their growth signals after all when they talk to especially investors. So what's your take on that? Yeah, um, trends are trendy. I think you're very right that they sort of uh, have a lifespan and they come and go. Uh, well, well, I worked um, in, in a previous life, I worked very closely with Target as a brand owner um, on a few of their brands. And they had a consulting group present to all of their vendors like us uh, a chart that was on the XY axis um, that had all of the kind of phrases you might expect to see on packaging as they were coming up the trend curve, peaking and falling off the trend curve. Um, so imagine acai maybe slightly off the trend curve. Uh, low sugar is probably at a peak today. And, um, I, you know, what do we see coming up next? Kelp, kale, perhaps. So, um, these, these are things that the, the people who I I consider the buyers at Target to be, um, brilliant at sort of understanding which, products are going to be turning on shelf. And they're, they're, they're giving us these hints that we do have to be agile, that you don't want to be just committed to kelp um, or you're going to ride that wave. <laughs> you sort of have to keep an eye on what's coming next too. Um, and that's easier for us to do with a portfolio because we're able to sort of ride a few of those trends. But as a brand owner, I think it's important to recognize um, different attributes of your product might be interesting or you may need to work on a uh, launching a new line of SKUs that come with different um, attributes or features. Yeah, absolutely. Very rightly said. I mean, it's a continuous struggle, and balancing that is important. Yeah, what is gaining ground and what's not. So, what should let's say the emerging or let's say challenger brands, because you said you get pitched with the same ideas as well, consider when they are defining their go-to-market strategy in today's day and age. And especially when privacy is increasing, we see that across all big uh, tech companies. 
D2C is gaining grounds with CPG products. So how should brands, should they think about improving their category profitability? And uh, especially for new and young startups, should, how should they think about defining the market opportunity when they're presenting it to the investors? And how should they define their down, their go-to-market strategy in that context? Yeah. Yeah, I think um, partially it's a question of finding which are your most profitable channels. And um, some investors' philosophy has been really stay focused on a few things and get really good at those. And then over time, add more channels. Um, I've seen other teams very successfully try a few different sort of distribution outlets. And by that, I would mean, you know, should we be running ads on Instacart? Should we be um, really doubling down on our Amazon business? Should we be trying to drive everybody to our own website? Um, should we be experimenting with, um, you know, getting inside goodie bags, that kind of thing? So um, I think both, both are sort of... Um, very valid strategies to figuring out where is the market that um, is the most fruitful for you. I think that the important thing is to test that pretty quickly and make and be strategic about how much time you're spending on, on these experiments. Um, because to your question, what would VCs be looking for? We sort of want to see success in at least one. Um, strategy and the promise of success in multiple strategies. So you don't necessarily have to have proved out um, that you can sell through multi-level marketing and that you can sell um, through, um, I'd say, like sampling at the grocery store, but um, at least showing a couple experiments to show if you put... Oh, 10 million more dollars into this channel, we'd be able to make it as valuable as this other channel and double the size of the business. So like the channels, have some tactics for testing, define your experiment strategy, and when are you going to you know, cut it off if it's failing so that not putting more good money after the bad money, can that decision-making can take place. And define the KPIs, define the benchmarks that you're looking for. Maybe look at uh, competition, look at uh, what's happening in the market or what success that particular channel should or could give you and uh, define your experiment outcomes based on that and move on from there. Yeah, awesome. we've, we've seen um, a platform like Peel, P-E-L, is really helpful for being able to compare um, how your different channels are performing. And so having something in place to be able to uh, cut your losses and focus on the things that are really working. Thanks for that tip. So what are some latest consumer trends and technology that you're watching and you feel strongly about for future? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think consumer wellness is one that we're really committed to at Halogen. We get pitched quite a bit of femtech technology. And um, I think it's a massive opportunity because um, as we know, women have historically not um, received as much capital to pursue, pursue their business ideas. And so I, I consider it a really big blue ocean space. Um, these are problems that have been going on for ages that haven't had the capital to address them. 
and therefore huge upside still. Um, I, I think an interesting example is um, like the postpartum healing process that we've sort of expected women to um, go through a rather painful, uncomfortable time in their lives, but there's nothing to say it has to be that way. We can really improve it with better surgical techniques and um, better um, better statistics around who needs a C-section versus who can go sort of go for a live birth. So I think the status quo is rather low in women's health. <laughs> um, and with better technology and better product design, we can actually really improve women's lives. And, and that will be on a mass scale where, um, you know, we can reduce maternal um, deaths and improve children's out health outcomes. A lot, a lot of really important um, life-changing, life-changing science. Yeah. Awesome. Because that's like ideas coming from women themselves, because you're investing in female founders who will know better about the problems that women face than the female founders themselves. So I'm sure they'll come out with ingenious ideas, which uh, definitely is more appealing, suitable. Ex adoption rate would be better, and yeah. a better success rate. Oh, absolutely, a brilliant strategy for go-to-market, for a fund, I would say. Kudos on that. So I would say it's a, it's a it's really a green field, if not brown field, I would say to some extent, it's definitely a great uh, market to look into. Thank you. Yeah, I, I joke that women's health today is like being on like a civil war battlefield where they have to cut off your leg and they give you some whiskey and a stick to bite down on. <laughs> We're just working on the anesthesia and the antibacterial. <laughs> you know, we're we're at the forefront now of some of these very basic improvements to like make women's lives more comfortable. Yeah, absolutely. So, what advice would you give as a consumer marketer to startups? Where should they start, and what should be those simple things they should do and continue to do throughout the journey while they're building their businesses? Yeah, absolutely. I um. I think there's an interesting shift when you're speaking to your customer versus when you're speaking to your potential investor. Um, and, and a lot of founders, I think, naturally are very good at thinking about sort of what the um, features and benefits are to their customer. And, and sometimes that means when they then switch over and start presenting to venture capitalists, they really just focus on the features of why my product is better than the other products out there. Um, but sort of know your audience. And I would say focus when you are uh, having conversations with um, the money people, as opposed to the potential customers, what makes this a great business, not just what makes this a great product. Um, so I think it's just a slight shift. I see a lot of pitch decks that are, it's so clear that the founder is really passionate about how they have developed a better product than what's out there. Um, but it is not quite clear to me if it's a great business for me to be part of. Um, so that comes down to, like you were talking about, what's the total addressable market? Um, what, what does the competitive landscape look like? How does this business expand from this initial kind of seed concept? What, what does it look like at scale? Um, and the team, the talent of the team, because if the team is really all um, 
product oriented and not business oriented, I'm going to be concerned about some of the operational headaches. Um, or is this team going to really thrive? Even if their product is much better, are they going to be great at inventory management, um, improving their margins and, and, um, you know, figuring out a turn policy, you know? <laughs> yeah. I think cash flow is uh, definitely the most important aspect for any company's survival. So I think having those basic skills, financial skills are very, very important in the team to be there, especially if it's a product company because they're investing everything in the product. Yeah. So you, you're an angel investor yourself and... Um, so why is startup investing important for you personally? And I would also like you to share that moment that led you to become an angel investor. I Can I also ask you yours? Have you shared that yet, Parula, on your podcast? What, what brought you to be an angel investor? Yeah, so I, I can definitely answer that. I, I basically, I'm, I've been an entrepreneur all my life. Even in my corporate journey, I was always an entrepreneur, so to speak. I took on a lot of initiative. And then after my initial exits that I got, I started uh, to, you know, thinking about uh, helping other founders. And that led me to the journey of uh, becoming an investor. So it, it was like, uh, you know, going through the process. It's, it's just part of the entrepreneurial process after uh, getting some initial exits and having that extra cash that I made from my businesses. So that's, that's just brought me. And I understood tech and tech has been growing. A lot of tech enablement happened in the last 10 years or so. So that basically that journey, I, I think I started investing about seven years ago. So that's that's how it has been. Yes. Well, I know for sure being a founder is much more difficult than being an investor. So <laughs> I can only imagine after building your own businesses and taking these uh, infuriating meetings with investors that you said, I, I would be good at that. <laughs> um, I... I certainly did not initially think of myself as an investor. I'm a, I'm a Stanford undergrad. And so the, the kids who are doing, there, there's plenty of people around me in Palo Alto who um, like had that sort of VC mentality and that VC hat on. But I had um, had the fun of getting tapped to build some product lines for Target, um, having no experience making CPG brands coming out of business school and because I had this sort of outsider mentality, um, trying to navigate and figure out Target, a lot of people started getting introduced to me for that exact same support and help. And I made my first angel investments in some of those really special brands that um, I helped get on shelf at Target. And so it was a little bit of uh, like insider trading. I had, I had info that these companies were about to be in 1800 stores. Um, so it, it made it a little, a little easier for me to put some cash in. Yeah. But it's, it's interesting that you started out already very, very early and you, you decided to take the plunge. So that's really yeah. awesome. Thanks. Thanks for sure. Um, it led to, I think, um, it's something we talk about often because at Halogen we invest uh, specifically in co-ed teams and female founders, but we also want to encourage more women, women to put their money to work um, and it's always always an interesting story what that thing is that gave you the confidence 
to, to think of yourself as an investor because it is a bit of an identity shift and, um, Certainly, like, don't come to me for stock tips, <laughs> you know, um, but now I do review lots of early stage deals, so I feel much more confident in, in that space, but I don't think of myself as a classic um, finance bro, yeah. So, I know you're an impact investor, and you're already doing some amazing work there. So tell us what kind of impact do you wish to create personally? What is the legacy of Alexa Benz going to look like? Yeah, thanks. I, uh, I, I'm, I'm quite cause agnostic. There's so many issues in the world that we need to be addressing. And so I feel very lucky that in the seat I'm at, I get to learn from founders who do have sort of a, a a favorite cause or something that really is driving them. Um, in the portfolio, we've we've identified companies that are helping with um, improving natural resource management for climate change. We've identified companies that are supporting the foster care system. And, and I feel very lucky that I get to sort of be part of solving so many of these problems from this, for this position. Um, most of these are great ideas that need capital. And so I think my job is to be an advocate for female founders to um, make sure that there's more money coming in to be available for the kinds of things they want to build. So I'm going to ask you some quick uh, rapid fire questions uh, for you to answer in short sentences. Yeah. Are you ready? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Who is your childhood inspiration? Oh, um, I loved watching sort of classic films. And so maybe, um, oh, like the Fred Astaire's of the world. Like I love that classic sort of Hollywood entertainer. Yeah. Okay. Something that stands out for you, something that you carry with you today as an inspiration? Um, for sure. I think I have a little bit of, um, from those old movies. Okay. Is that the question? Yeah. I mean, what, what has been your inspiration? Like uh, as a growing up person, like something that inspires you as a personality or as a thing, it would be one or many things, something that. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think, um, the fact that I am one of three girls, um, I was very much raised sort of as like son number two. We jokingly have ranks in terms of our sonness. <laughs> um, and I think it has helped me sort of approach things that might typically not seem like um, particularly girly or feminine pursuits. Um, so I'd say that's very much an inspiration to me is just being one of three girls and feeling like, we got to do all the stuff the boy would have done had there been one. Um, so I, I have a, I have a really good golf swing. <laughs> awesome. I, yeah. I mean, this is something funny that I am the eldest of three sisters as well. And we had that uh, thing as well. We've got a lot of trust and, uh, you know, freedom from our parents to do whatever we wanted to do and become what we wanted to become. So they gave us that platform to have our own wings and fly with them. So amazing. 
Kudos yeah. to your parents. No, it, I, in so many ways, I think we're we're lucky that um, a, a brother, not that brothers would, you know, change the dynamic too much, but I enjoyed being son number two. <laughs> yeah, awesome. So what qualities do you value most in a professional relationship? Oh, um, I'd say if you say you're going to do something that you are done, or that you follow through and do it. You know, it's just like having your word is the thing that I uh, really honor the most or that you at least try, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. So which book are you currently reading or books you're reading? This sounds very dull, but I'm reading a Harvard Business Review compilation of better boards. Yeah. Um, so it's sort of their their essays on what makes for more successful boards. <laughs> <laughs> any any tip from that that you read recently? Anything that uh, kind of shines? Uh... Um, I I did the the one idea that stood out to me was that the board rather than sort of like numbing them with uh, presentation after presentation and after presentation um, to really lean on them as a resource and. Um, to use your documentation to get them sped, sped up on sort of the basics and then use the time that you have with your board in person to dig in on helping solve some of the things that you as a founder um, really need help solving and thinking of them more as a thought partner. So the board meeting often feels like it's this like slightly passive thing where the founder and their team are presenting all the latest stats, but they never get down to sort of what the questions are. Yeah. I use the time wisely, give the update, uh, just walk them through quickly and then use the time for conversation to really get the advice. Awesome. It's been awesome. It's been fun talking to you, Alexa. So what would be your advice to young founders? Something that you would like to say to them? And when they reach out to you, what should they consider? What is most important for you when, when they reach out to you? Absolutely. Um, we we accept all like cold emails, no introduction necessary. It's Alexa at halogenbc.com. Um, and I think um, just knowing each, each VC that you're reaching out to, what are some of their qualifications? Some are easier to find than others, but it'll save you a lot of time if you can initially create a target list of people who you think can at least invest at the same stage that you're at, um, don't necessarily have a competing um, company already in the portfolio. And then you can, in your in your email outreach, um, speak more specifically to why this might be interesting to them. I've now worked for three different GPs and I can tell you oh, this is a great Sarah deal. Um, she loves this kind of thing. And so it can seem very daunting um, from the outside to figure out like, okay, who is this, this a good deal for? But you can use some of the more junior people throughout VC to help figure out which of their bosses um, would like this kind of concept. Um, almost like picking the right professor to do your master's or PhD thesis with, that you sort of need to identify who in the ecosystem um, has, has a core curiosity and interest around the same thing that you do. 
absolutely right. So we actually have a fundraising program for startup founders also to help them, uh, you know, so that they don't feel lonely other than just being on the platform uh, that we built for founders to engage with the investors in a meaningful way. And one of the things which I actually say, because that is one of the modules I created, which is do your research whom you're going to do an outreach to and why should you actually reach out to them? Why do you think you're the right fit? So the research work is important before you actually send out that message. When you press the send button on your email, make sure that you make it a very, very meaningful email when they spend that time. Because, I mean, Alexa herself mentioned she receives like hundreds, if not thousands of emails per month. And if it has to be catchy, if you want to get their attention, you have to make it interesting and meaningful for them. So do your research and make it a very, very uh, targeted messaging when you send them a message. Thank you, Alexa. Thank you so much uh, for your time today. And I'm looking forward uh, to having our next uh, round of conversations soon. And um, all the best and a great start in the day today. Thank you for having this early morning chat with me. Well, thank you for having me. This was a lot of fun. I appreciate it. Qualitative investor relations are the basis for future success. Visit u to learn more. And for more episodes, subscribe to our channel.